This is a commentary radio program that finds fun, strange, interesting, weird stories from the internet or from the mind of the host or you, the listener. So turn up those earbuds. This is Breaker Breaker. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Dom Z, or Dominic, whichever you prefer. And we are back to a regular program schedule, or just a regular program. So we have been not being consistent on our episode uploads, and that's going to change. And there's a lot of changes coming up for 2020, so stick around, come back, make sure you subscribe. And if you like what I've been doing, please leave a uh, review over there on uh, iTunes or, well, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts. I think that's the only place where we can do reviews right now. Uh, And if you listen on Spotify or any other place, just make sure you follow or subscribe or whatever button it is. That way you can get a weekly or whenever the show comes up and it pops up on your feed. So moving on, let's get into it. E4B Nightwatch. Yes, the Doomsday Plane. That's what we're talking about today, guys. So check it out, guys. Uh, I've been wanting to do this episode for a, I've been wanting to do this episode for a while, and it's been a long time coming. But since I was working on other episodes and other things, this kind of went on the back burner. And now that I have a buddy of mine who's local to me, who's an aviator, who's a pilot, I figured this would be right up the alley. Because I've been listening to his podcast, it's called Squawk Ident, so that's a nice little uh, throw, a little shout out out there. Uh, he just started; he's only been doing it for a couple months. Uh, I want to say about a couple months. So give him a give him a try if you uh, don't know anything about avi- aviation. Uh, he really breaks it down. But this is my show, and we're going to talk about the Doomsday Plane, the E Four B Night Watch. E for B. I just want to do that. Anyway, uh, so let's get into it. The doomsday plane of the 70s, the 1970s, that's when it was built. It was actually a airplane built by Boeing. It's a 747 Boeing, uh, a 747-200B, which is a modified. So it's very similar to the Air Force One. In fact, there's quite a lot of similarities to the Air Force One, the presidential uh bird i guess you could say the one that uh the president's always flying around going across the uh, ocean anytime he goes out he gets in that plane and takes off depending on whatever president's you know in office and behind that airplane uh more than likely there's an e4b night watch that's what it's called right now that's what they call it right now today but we just call it we'll just call it the doomsday plane the doomsday airplane so it's a 747-200b modified and uh, it's a little different from the main 747s that are, you know, in service or were in service, or I think they, yeah, they still are. Uh, Airbuses, Air have actually, I think, replaced them in a lot of cases in some airlines, but they were pretty popular back in the day in like the 70s and 80s with like Pan Am and some other airlines out there. Uh, but that's a whole nother world in itself. But anyway. So the max altitude of these planes is about 45,000 uh, feet. And depending on what class you have, so there's three different classes of these Boeings. I'm just giving you a quick update on or an idea. 
These are big old planes. They were designed to hold up to like 600, over 600 people uh, on a certain type of, um, what do you call that? A, I guess it like a, what do you call that? When, when it's a specification. So it's a different kind of a class. It's a layout class. So a single layout class would be 660 people. A two-class layout would be 520, uh, 24 or whatever. And then a three-class layout, it's like 416 people. That's a lot of people on a plane. And that's usually a passenger airplane. Now, the Night Watch or the Doomsday plane, that one is, um, well, I don't know how many holds, but I'm pretty sure it can hold a lot of people. But for the most part, uh, they have a crew of 112 generally and 18 bunks, which is kind of weird because... Is it 18 bunks or 18 bunk rooms or it doesn't, all the information doesn't really tell me, but we know that it's six stories tall. It's three decks and it has a galley, you know, obviously someone's got to eat and then they have a briefing room and then they also have a, like a, um, like a battle room, like a command battle room, staff room where they go and they, you know, do basically it's the Pentagon in the air (laughs) so pentagon in the air is basically what it is and they built this particular plane uh during the cold cold war in the 70s and in the 70s well actually let's go further back 50s 60s 70s 80s and the cold war didn't till didn't well i guess you could say didn't really actually end till like 89 ish when gorbachev was like hey we're gonna break up the soviet union so we could thank one of the Bushes for kind of contributing to that. Oh, no, was it Bush? The 89? Bush or Reagan? One of the two. Um, that's a really important piece of information right there, huh? Who was president? Let's see. Who was president in 1989? And that's going to be... It's going to be... Ronald Reagan served as president ah. of the United States from 1981 until 1989. There you go. 1989, baby. So, yeah, it was the end of his tenure and the beginning of the Bush, the first Bush. And they got rid of Gorbachev, so to speak. And he was like, well, I am going to take, break up the whole entire union. So not so good for uh, Putin, I guess, because I think he came a little bit later. So anyway, back to this big old airplane, doomsday plane. So they have a briefing room. I already told you guys that. Galley, uh, 112 crew members. That's what they go for. And this particular plane goes about 602 miles per hour. Now, what makes this plane so unique from what I understand? Well, I don't know if it's unique, (laughs) unique, but the uniqueness of it is that it's a all analog instrumentation. So this plane is built to withstand a nuclear blast or at least the fallout from a nuclear blast. So the plane, the fuselage, everything on the plane, shielded. So it's got special shielding. So let's say a nuclear bomb goes off somewhere near or around. If it doesn't blow up the plane, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, if the bomb hits the actual plane, the plane's gone. But what I'm saying is, like, it will withstand the fallout. So, like, the electromagnetic pulse that a nuclear bomb shoots out that will actually not affect well in theory because well you know i don't know do they how do they know did they test this airplane 
Did they actually blow up something next? Uh, you know, did they park it near a detonation? We don't know. But this is what they say, and they use it. So, got to be fact, right? I don't know. So, uh, the shielding, everything is uh, analog. It's shielded. Um, so, the old school instrumentation, like the basically like, like the dash, all that stuff, altimeter, all that stuff, it's going to be analog. No, nothing digital. But basically, if it's digital, if you have a EMP near it, that's it. You wipe out the controls. So to combat that, they said, nah, screw that. We're just going to put everything in there, analog, old school. Even our communication systems are going to be shortwave radio or um, what's that other one? Was it a ham radio? All of those, all of, you know, the classic or even citizens band. I'm sure they have that on there too. So, and I can, I can guess that they probably have some digital junk in there too. Uh, like probably a lot of digital stuff in there because you know, we're, we're, they don't expect all the time for this thing to be going off. Plus that thing just follows behind air force one anyway. So, but currently the people who use that thing is a secretary of defense on foreign trips. So that's what they do. Now get this, <laughs> the windows is really, really crazy. Uh, the, the windows, you know, when you have, you, Open up your microwave. So crack that microwave open, right? And you know how it's got all that dark mesh on the window? So that's actually what the windscreen on one of these airplanes looks like. The only windows that this airplane actually has. They might have a couple of other little portals, but for the most part, it's windowless. That's it. There's no no breach. Just enough for the pilots to look outside and go, holy crap. There's a nuke. So that's it. Now, what's really interesting about this is that their flight crew is on call 24-7. So that means 24-7, there's a crew on standby, ready to go. Boom, at a moment's notice. That is insane. And it's usually military. Well, Air Force. So that being said, that crew that is stationed or has that post, there's no way that that crew can be deployed in any other, you know, capacity of the military. They can't be uh, deployed on USS Ronald Reagan or USS Continental or USS uh, Butthole, whatever, whatever. They, they can't be deployed anywhere else. They're non-deployable. So... So I guess if you get that spot, you're in pretty good shape because if the country gets blown up with a nuke and you're the pilot, well, guess what? You're in a badass airplane and you can fly. And allegedly, this thing is really, really easy to refuel. So refuel planes can come up and because it's a big, 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 big ass plane. You know, it's a Boeing 747. So as as opposed to... I don't know, a smaller Airbus or, you know, like a small airline. And Air Force One, same thing. Uh, Air Force One has a lot of the same same things that the E-4B Nightwatch has. So it's a really similar, but the, the quarters for the Air Force One are a little bit more comfortable. 
<laughs> so if you see the inside of one of these doomsday planes, the inside, the interior is really drab. It's boring. It literally looks like something out of like a movie from like the 60s or 70s. The uh, the computers in air, it. I don't even know if you want to call those computers. Uh, they probably have radars in there. They're like old where it just spins around. Boop, 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 boop. You know what I mean? Like that old school. And it looks really boring. And I guess it would probably be a good idea because if the, the country is under attack, you want these guys focused, right? You want these guys who are in these not these top top-notch uh, positions of quote-unquote power uh, to be on point. Not looking at, you know, the, the swimsuit edition uh, 2017 that's been sitting on the wall for, you know, a few years. So <laughs> you, you want the plain walls, drab, everything is uh, comfy cozy, uh, no radiation getting in. So... Uh, anyway, so that's the E4B Doomsday Plane. Oh, I forgot to leave out this really cool fact. So we were talking about the shielding and all that stuff and like the old school tech. Well, this thing has uh, 67 dishes and antennas. Yeah, that's a lot of dish and antennas. And allegedly it has some kind of like antenna that can stretch out within like five miles behind it. So that way it can send transmissions. I don't even know if that's an antenna or maybe it's just like a wire or a string that just comes out. Whoop, and that's and that's how they use it. But allegedly that thing is like five miles long. That way they can uh, they can actually communicate with uh, naval vessels like submarines, mostly submarines, because those are the guys who are going to be underwater too, and those are the guys who are going to be able to withstand some of those blasts too, because they're underwater and. Well, they actually have hardened shielding around those submarines, those actual, those nuke subs. So kind of like the same idea, except this is an airplane and it's in the, in the air. It's flying around. So, so very cool uh, that the military has this stuff. But what does that say for us, the people who have no chance? <laughs> so if you survive and you're eating a bunch of, a handful of radiation and you're just sucking it down and you look up in the sky and you see this big old 747 just flying around with some military, well, not even military, like presidential or whatever U.S. you know, insignias all over it. Well, I think you'd probably be a little bit pissed. I know. I think I probably would. I'd be like, God damn it. This is some bullshit. I'm going to die. So anyway, there you go. Doomsday plane. Oh, yeah, and there's only four of them right now. So, And the big kicker, you, you ready for the big kicker? How much this thing costs? For one thing, it, it eats up like a bazillion gallons per second. So we're already, we're already about to talk about price. So allegedly, this thing costs. <laughs> I don't know what you guys make, you know, for like a yearly salary, but... I know I'm 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 not <laughs> I would be pissed. Well, actually I'm not pissed, but whatever. Uh $160,000 per hour to fly this airplane. Yeah. That's insane. Anyway. So, I wonder what else is out there that's uh Cold War era that still exists or that's still in use. Uh 
I know that uh, recently I had just seen this uh, post. It was actually, uh, was that Facebook or Instagram? Can't remember exactly. It was Maybe it was Facebook. I don't know. Uh, there was a post about uh, buying a an old missile, like an like a old missile silo, abandoned. I don't know if it's abandoned, but it was for sale, so it can't be abandoned, right? But you could buy it, and it was like 350k for it, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. But it was like in the middle of nowhere, so you'd actually have to go and either live there in the middle of nowhere or buy the place and then use it like as a what it's for, like a bunker. But it was really badass like they had the silo the doors they can open and close and then big old hatches and all these corridors and all these rooms that looks straight out of like a movie super super cool uh obviously it would be able to withstand a nuclear blast so you know who knows how much stuff is out there i know that people would in in recent well not recent in past times where people would actually be digging in their in their yard and they would like bing 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 and all of a sudden, like their backyard or the front yard, and they would be, I don't know, building a pool or something. They were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a pool, honey. Woo, we're going to do it. And then all of a sudden, ding, 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 there's a bomb shelter <laughs> in their backyard. Like, how the fuck? You know, because in the 50s, 60s, people, this was a real concern. And I remember hearing a lot of old people talking about this, well, older than me when I was young. Well, okay, they were not, they were like my age when I was young. So that would be in like the 80s, 90s, whatever. And they would talk about how they would like have those those alarms. It's like kind of like when we had fire drills when we were kids or we had earthquake drills in California. Or people have tornado drills in like Oklahoma or whatever, tornado country, where you practice this stuff that way. Well, they would do this practice for nuclear bombs. Like what? <laughs> Wait, what? You're practicing for a nuclear bomb. It doesn't make no sense. Well, maybe it does make sense. But nuclear bomb hiding on the table isn't going to help you. Basically, they were just saying, hey, crawl up in a little ball and kiss your own ass goodbye. Basically. So, anyway, if you have a chance to get onto a doomsday plane and you're trying to get away, get on it. Because <laughs> I would definitely try to get on it. Anyway, that's it for the doomsday plane hey there listener you want to support the show but you don't want to just randomly give a dollar or two dollars out to donate or anything like that and you want to get something in return instead well there's a way you can do that we partnered up with amazon.com breaker breaker is now an affiliate so you can make a purchase your regular purchase on amazon through one of our links and we'll get credit and that supports the show so if you want to support the show in that fashion you can go to breakerbreaker.onuniverse.com scroll all the way down you'll see an amazon link click there no bells or whistles no skin off anybody's back make your purchase and away to the races we go and if you do want to donate we do have a patreon page and if you want to support the show with some merchandise, we do have a merch store. It's a Zazzle store, so check it out. Breakerbreaker.onuniverse.com And keeping in line with the military theme or 
or whatever, avionics or, you know, military jargon. Uh, before I jumped into doing interviews, I had a couple guests on my last couple shows. Uh, I was breaking out the little book of answers, which had some pretty cool little factoids. Uh, here's one that's kind of in line with, you know, military or, you know, avionics and how, how people talk via, via radio per se. Um, why do the military say Roger then Wilco to confirm a radio message? Now that's pretty ubiquitous amongst many professions. Now you have it in trucking, you have it in the airlines. Well, we'll have to ask Squawk Ident again, and also in the military, uh, in the police, uh, you know, law enforcement, uh, emergency services. So anyway, why do the military say Roger then Wilco to confirm a radio message? Well, during the Second World War. The U.S. Navy used a phonetic alphabet to clarify radio messages. So that's the same thing they do today. Uh, it began Alpha, Baker, Charlie, Dog, and went on to include Roger for R. Because R, or Roger, is the first letter in received. It confirmed that the message was understood. So on the other hand, Wilco is a standard military abbreviation for will comply. There you go. Easy peasy. Now you learned. <laughs> now you learned something, right? So that's very cool. Uh, here's another one. Here's a good one for you. Uh, this one's kind of like, eh, kind of weird. Kind of a weird one. Uh, not really modern times, but we'll just go with it anyway, because I kind of like this one. Why do we call a trader a turncoat? Someone who changes sides during a war is called a turncoat because of the actions of a former Duke of Saxony who found himself and his land uncomfortably situated between, or I'm sorry, uncomfortably situated directly in the middle of a war between the French and the Saxons. He quickly had a reversible coat made for him, one side blue for the Saxons and the other side white for the French. Then depending on who was occupying his land, he could wear the appropriate color of allegiance. <laughs> what a bastard. Uh, so there you go. That's what a turncoat is, and that's where it came from. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, a lot of the, I, I love these little factoids. It's, uh, <laughs> they're pretty funny because, like, where did this stuff come from? Uh, oh, here we go. We got one more. This kind of goes with, uh, in, in line with, you know, the whole hierarchy of, uh, of society, I guess you could say. We're going to go with this one. It's also military as well. <clears throat> so to speak, uh, why, when abandoning ship, do we say women and children first? Well, according to this book, in 1852, the HMS Birkenhead was off to war in South Africa. There we go. Africa again, huh? <laughs> South Africa. Anyway, I have a South Africa show. Very, very, uh, one of my earliest shows earlier this year. Uh, go check it out. Anyway. Uh, so Birkenhead was off to war in South Africa when she ran aground and sank off the coast of Cape, of the Cape. Uh, let's see here. The only usable lifeboats were quickly filled by the 20 women and children on board. While the 476 soldiers lined up on the deck to go down with the ship, this is where the tradition of women and children first was born. And in naval circles is still called the Birkenhead drill. So there you go. Learn another thing right there. All back in 
1852. That's pretty far back to continue a tradition. And for that matter, that tradition is pretty Western. Women and children first. And it's kind of, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, ominous to many professions or, again, back to the back to boats and airplanes. Women and children first. And in, in any situation, always women and children first. Fire in the house, women and children first. Uh, I don't know. Uh, a hostage situation, women and children first. We see it in movies. Anyway, those are the fun facts. You're still listening to the Breaker Breaker podcast, and we're coming to a close. So, guys, thank you for listening. Share this show. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow us everywhere. We're everywhere. iTunes. Okay, I'm sorry. It's not called iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Spotify. Anchor. Um, Overcast. Breaker. <laughs> what else? What else are we on? Uh, you name it, pick it. Oh, Radio Republic. That's where we're at. Oh, can't forget the big one. iHeartRadio. Because iHeartRadio owns a lot of stuff now, so... Uh, we're there so you can follow me there and listen to the show and we should be back next week for sure skis for sure skis already in the works pre-recording so we got we got another one and the future of the show i mentioned earlier in the beginning of the show yes 2020 we got a lot of stuff going on and i was actually thinking about starting a blog for this show kind of like a men's blog you know like gq everything cool men wallets um whatever hairstyles uh living life with kids not having kids being single so i might be looking for writers in the future so keep that in mind if you're a writer if not just be on the lookout and check out the website breakerbreaker.onuniverse.com and again thank you for all your guys support appreciate it and you guys have a beautiful week (laughs) 